Welcome to the Success IQ podcast, the show for entrepreneurs wanting to create and live an exceptional life. I'm your host, Jeff Nicholson, and this is episode 157. For those of you who are new to the show, welcome. I'm a specialist in performance and mindset, working with business owners all over the world, supporting them to be the best and perform at their highest levels in life and business. And I achieve this through my coaching and online programs. I started this podcast to discover how other thought and business leaders create and enjoy success and to identify common strategies and techniques, as well as the mindset that they have adopted to live their version of exceptional. My aim is simple. It's for you to learn and implement the valuable lessons shared in these episodes. You deserve to live and enjoy an exceptional life, but in order to achieve this, you will need to adopt new strategies and ways of thinking to achieve your goals. Now, on with the show. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, wherever you are in the world. I truly hope you are having an amazing week. So it is the first episode of season six it's also the first episode of 2021 and let's hope this year is better than the last one although we are currently just entered into another lockdown in the uk um so it hasn't really changed much from us some most of us in the uk um but we've got a really good guest this this episode so today's guest is Amy Razdal. Now, Amy has traded her corporate job for consulting 15 years ago and makes more money than most executives. She works and plays every day. Amy founded Billable at the Beach to liberate six-figure earners by helping them build six-figure consulting businesses. Amy is passionate about helping others find the freedom and flexibility to live the life of their dreams without sacrificing the career they've spent so long building. Welcome to the show, Amy. Hi, Jeff. Great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, like I said to you before, absolute pleasure, but it's also the first episode of 2021. Um, So wishing you all the best for this year. Thank you. Same to you. So Amy, before we really dive into the nitty gritty and cool stuff, can you give us a little bit of a backstory of what's brought you to this point? Sure. I don't know how far back you want me to go, but I'll, I won't. I won't linger too long. I am a Silicon kid. My dad was an early Silicon Valley semiconductor guy, so I grew up very much in the world of technology startups, um, and I loved it. And honestly, I didn't really realize that there were other things to do. So I started my career as a software engineer. Um, as a side note, as an undergraduate, I also studied music and. French along with computer science because those are those are other things that add a lot to my life. Um, so I started out as a software engineer. I wrote code for a few years and then went to business school. My long-term career goal was to be a startup CEO. And I think that's partly because of where I grew up and the way that I grew up and all of the dinner tables that I sat around um, during my education years of high school and so on. Uh, I didn't really realize there were other options. So out of business school, I was lucky enough to fall into the world of medical devices. And at that time, I was getting kind of all of my cross-functional business rotations um, to prepare myself from the, for the time when I would be um, the big chief. Uh, I worked big corporate to get that experience. I jumped off and did some startups. I learned about the world of venture funding and boards. And uh, I did a couple of startups 
startups that were bootstrapped, meaning we didn't have outside funding, we had to generate the revenue for ourselves. And all of those things were amazing experiences. But there came a point where I jumped off the corporate track and I became a consultant. I started my own consulting business. And there came a point, it was um, to, to be candid and make sure everyone understands, it was before I had, had become a CEO, I was an executive, but not a CEO. I decided that being a CEO was overrated and underpaid. And I started my own consulting business, uh, which I loved. At first, I made a lot of mistakes and then I figured it out. So in my consulting business, I still work with corporate, um, corporate clients. The work that I do is very similar, but I do it on my own terms, right? I decide where I work, when I work, how I work. And having that freedom and flexibility was amazing to me. And it wasn't just my personal lifestyle. It was also being able to select those clients and projects where I really added the most value and made the most impact. I found that so rewarding for myself. And also, it's more financially rewarding. The more value you can add, the more value you also get for yourself in terms of pay. So I really loved that. Um, but I made all the mistakes in the early days. So many things that I did wrong. And what, what happened, Jeff, is as I realized that I started, and the thing is, here I have my own business. I've just explained all of my lofty goals and aspirations. I went to a fancy business school. I have no excuse for why I didn't treat my business like a business, except that I didn't, and I eventually figured it out. And one of the really important things to do is regular outreach, right? Networking, marketing, business development as you move through. Well, as I started really um, ramping up that outreach, I would have people who would come back and they would say, you know, Amy, I don't have a project for you, but I've been thinking about starting my own consulting business. It seems like you're doing well. You seem so excited and happy about everything. Whenever I see you, both your professional activities and your personal life, you know, I want a piece of that. So I would think, well, um, what do I want to tell them? They would say, hey, can we have lunch? And I would say, sure. And I'd say, I would think, what do I want to tell them? Because at the end, I'm a very diligent, organized, practical person. And I would think, what do I love? What do I hate? What do I wish I would have known? What would I do differently? And I started to accumulate a body of material. And I realized I kept getting these inquiries and I kept kind of expanding what I would tell them. And I thought, it looks like the market is asking for a business, right? There's market demand for someone to start a business and a program to help people start their own consulting businesses. And I had so much experience that I had learned through my own blood, sweat, and tears of making all the mistakes, and I could really help them skip all those mistakes, do the important things, focus on revenue, and really do that. So I started my consulting business more than 15 years ago, jumped off the corporate track. Like I say, I was at the executive level, and I founded Billable at the Beach. It's, gosh, I can't believe now it's been about 12 years ago. It started out 
It's, it goes so fast. It started out offline um, because the internet was nowhere near even 12 years ago what it is today. And so it was an offline one-on-one program helping people, you know, start their own consulting business. About two years ago, Jeff, I discovered this whole online world. Of course, I knew the internet was there, but I had never heard a podcast I had never done an online program or course. I had never been in a group program. I had never been in a Facebook group outside my high school, you know, class of people and and personal things. So I really discovered this whole world, which would allow me to um, kind of take my message to the world, so to speak. And here you and I are talking today, you know, I don't know what are we, maybe not quite half a world away, maybe a third of a world away, Um, but from far away and we're sitting here able to talk. So I'm able to reach um, people all over. And now there are online platforms and things that allow me to really streamline and make my my advice and background and help available to everybody in an easy way. Well, okay, so I've got a couple of questions based on what you're saying. So the first one for you, um, what for you is the difference between a coach and a consultant? That's a good question. Um, And one that comes up now, I still, even though I think really what I'm doing in a lot of cases with Billable at the Beach is coaching people to start their own six-figure consulting business, I still feel slightly uncomfortable with the idea of using the term coach. And I'm not sure why that is. Um, I don't know if I feel like maybe it's not business-like or because it's such a broad category that includes such a wide range of um, experience levels and so on. But I have to say that I really am a coach when I do that. In a consulting environment, I'm going in with my corporate clients. I am putting programs and policies in place, really enabling and empowering them to do it. I also do some of the work. So I feel like that's part of the differentiation is that I'm working with bigger organizations as a consultant and that I'm actually hands-on doing some of the work. As a coach, I'm providing all the tools, support, encouragement, steps, clearing roadblocks, but when I'm co- when I'm coaching someone to start their own consulting business, I really can't do any of the work for you. I do everything surrounding it. And I think that, you know, when I look at someone who coaches me in a sport or my kids being coached in a sport, it's kind of the same idea. You know, I can't, no one can play the game for you. At the end of the day, you have to play the game yourself. But it's really my job to make sure that you're set up for success. And I find a lot of what I do, I set up all the programs and tools and then on an individual level, I really get in and clear roadblocks. Yeah, brilliant. Okay, because sometimes I think it's interesting because in some places, as soon as you say you're a coach, they think you're a, you know, there's only a life coach and it's all, you know, woo-woo stuff. And then on the other side is you've, and I'm sure you, you've met them, is, is the, there's coaches that actually aren't coaches, they're mentors, or coaches that aren't coaches, are therapists. So it's, yes. it's, it's like a very, as you say, there's a very merged line between it. I mean, it, and it's, 
it's a very interesting, it's a conversation that you can have with people f- for hours about what, what things mean. Because then all of a sudden mentor comes up and then you think, oh, wow, okay, we're just adding another term to the whole, to the whole thing. Well, and that's a really good description of it, what, what you just talked about. And maybe that's why I have some discomfort with it, because I'm not a life coach for sure. Um, it's not, there's some mentorship involved, but maybe like, like we're saying, it's such a broad category. And I always, I always think back to a story that I laugh about when my daughter was about two years old, we had swimming lessons and she was little enough that I was still getting in the pool with her. And the 22 year old swim teacher, you know, we became friends and we were chatting and she said, yes, I've just gotten my life coaching certification. And I'm thinking, gosh, she's 22. Who's she going to life coach? 15 year olds, maybe it's perfect, you know? And and ironically, we are we have um, added a life coach to our 17-year-old daughter's toolkit recently with the confusion of the pandemic and all the things going on, and it's been tremendously useful for her. Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's like any industry. There's, you're always going to find good and bad, and it's, you know, and it's just a matter of finding the right one that inspires you to take the right action. So the second part of that question is, is if you're looking at people who are wanting to start being a consultant in, you know, we're going through challenging times, which no doubt we will get on that at the minute, but there may be people either being forced out of their careers because of what's going on. There's an awful lot of um, furloughing and, and, um, you know, life-changing, thought-provoking stuff that's gone on in people's lives over the the last sort of 12 months. And I'm pretty sure, based on the way things are going, probably for the next couple of months anyway, at least. For those people who are going, right, okay, I need to do a change. I've got all this wisdom like you had from what you were doing. The consulting could be a route for me. Where do they get started? Yeah, so... I just want to key on a couple of important points that you make. You need to have a certain po- amount of experience to lend out there. So the people that I really try to help are people who have a certain number of years of experience in their chosen field. Most typically corporate experience, but it doesn't always have to be the functional area, whether it's accounting or marketing or operations, that doesn't really matter. But you have to have a certain level of experience. And I really like to talk about consulting as being a superhero with a superpower, making super pay. So just just to give a little bit of context to how I view consulting, since we've just had since we've just had the conversation about how we view coaching, and getting started is very easy. So the barriers to entry, which is a you know one of the fancy business terms that we sometimes use when we're starting a business, are very low. Here's what you need, Jeff. You need a phone a computer, brain power, and business experience. That's it to get started. And there are ways to get started that allow you to really dive in. I am an extremely practical person. 
Um, in my consulting world, when I act as a corporate consultant, what I really am is a high-level project manager. I have a lot of cross-functional experience. I have several years in engineering and marketing. What I'm really good at is getting things done. That's one of my superpowers. So I really take that into how I approach starting a consulting business, very practical. And especially for the scenario that you've set up, that we're in a pandemic, that people have been furloughed, I'm assuming that people need to, that they're going to start their consulting business because they need to generate revenue quickly. So there are ways to get started. You need to spend a little bit of time getting clarity on what your superpower is. A lot of us, we get to a certain corporate point, we have a quite a broad skill set. So you need to zoom in on what that area of focus for you is going to be. It's very useful to get some feedback from colleagues on that because we all have one view of ourselves. And if you start kind of putting together a concept on your superpower, iterating that a little bit with some business colleagues, then you get a better view of um, how other people also view you. So you get a a better description, a little more punch, um, a little more clarity. And then you also get the view of, will the customer buy it? So you kind of work that a little bit. And then what I have people do is we all have existing networks. And it's almost always twice the size that you even realize once you start to dig into it. We all have those relationships that we've built over time. And so I have people start consulting by doing a little work on what they want to offer in terms of their consulting offering. That can flex as you move along and learn more and perfect that and reach out to their current network because those are the people, they already know you. They knew know that you do great work. They know even the types of projects that you might do. So if they have a project that might fit your needs, they will hire you right away. So that's a really way to quick start and get going. And so many people that I have worked with, I also do a lot of speaking. Sadly, not in person right now, it's virtual, but I really enjoy speaking in person and kind of getting the audience response. Um, I have people that are able to generate revenue land one or two projects within a week or two. And so what I encourage people to do is start generating revenue. I really like to say land a project, get a check in the bank, start generating revenue right away, and then do all the business building pieces the website, the logo, the business name, all of that stuff has to be done. But you know what? You don't need any of that stuff to start doing some billable work. So I try to make it really practical. Let's really focus on revenue and then let's do all of that other stuff. Okay. So there's some really interesting things that you talked about there. So the the first one is, is do you think there is the the I'll I'll give you the three questions and then we can just go through them. So the first part is is do you think that there are quite a few people that jump into consulting too early because they necessarily it's a cash cow but they they see it as this okay this is the way to the the ultimate life or whatever it is I'm trying to create. 
The second thing is, is do you think that they focus a lot on the, um, the perfectionism of having the right business brand before they jump onto it and go, let's just get some money in the bank. And the third question is, I know I'm the same. I, I do a lot of speaking likewise, the same as you, not very, not very live now at the minute in person, but do you see that as a beneficial route to convert prospects into future clients? Yes. So, Number one, do people jump in too early? I don't see too much of that. Um, One of the places where I enjoy speaking is at local universities. So I do have people say, oh my gosh, that sounds great. You know, all this freedom, flexibility, et cetera. But when I talk to them about, you know, recommending that they build some solid experience first so that they have something to offer and the idea that people really hire consultants because they want someone to immediately come in and hit the ground running and really contribute quickly back to that kind of <clears throat> superhero, superpower, super pay idea. So I, that's, not, that's not a major um, sort of problem or issue. I don't see that a lot. The next one, do they focus on building the perfect brand and all this stuff before they actually get out there and sell themselves? all the time. (laughs) This is a huge one. And so in my Billable at the Beach programs, a lot of what I do in, you know, there's, there's online programs and videos and all this great stuff. And then we have um, actual, you know, either one-on-one or group sessions. A lot of what I do in those, I call it boot in the backside, is really pushing them out into right now it's not into the world in person quite so much normally i would say really push hard on you have to get out there in person don't hide behind your computer don't hide behind all this stuff and i completely understand the reason they do that is fear it's scary to get out there and even i work with a lot of a lot of people that i really call i think selling is an amazing skill set. And there are certain people who I call them sales animals. They are just born to sell. They are just good at it. They love people. They love talking to people. You know, they're just, they're just gifted. And I think that's one of the great in business. You know, I'm a good engineer. Man, being a really gifted salesperson is one of the best things that you could ever have. Um, Even those people who are so good at it are afraid to sell themselves because they've been selling products all these years and you go out and somebody turns you down. It's personal. And so it's scary, but I really, really push on. You don't have to, I talked about what do you need? There's nothing there about, you know, phone, computer, business experience, brain power. There's nothing there about logos, websites, business names, branding. There's nothing there. So I really want you to land a project, put a check in the bank. What that also does is there's something about landing those first projects and putting those checks in the bank that are really confidence building. And you will become a different person person as you sell, if you have some work coming in. And then I am not a really huge woo-woo person. 
I very, I've talked about how I'm practical and have an engineering background, but there is something about money attracting money. And when you have some money coming in, money comes in more easily, right? So there is something about that. So yes, focusing on the perfect brand, it's really, I really kind of bust people's chops about hiding behind that. Get out there. Let's get some money coming in. And then I kind of tell them, and I do this for myself too. So these are things because I had to learn how to do this myself. It's kind of like, it's sort of like a little reward. If I get, if I land this much business, then I get to like, do new photos or a new logo or something like that, you know? So that's a huge one. And then speaking, yes, speaking is great. However, um, I have always done a lot of performing arts. I was a musician and I still in one of my lives am a dancer. Right now it's in my garage, <laughs> not in the studio. And our performances are virtual. Um, but I love to be on a stage and I'm kind of a weird combination person because I have a strong introvert side to my personality as a stereotypical engineer, but I've also always done a lot of performing. So until I got into college level performing, I, I never even knew that some people were scared to get on stage. I never even heard of that. Um, and then a lot of people who are um, professional performers actually really struggle with stage fright. So for me, I love to speak and it's very easy. It's a great way to build your business. It's a very quick way to be the expert. So here's how I describe it in a networking context, which networking is so important. But I can go to a networking event. I'm going to pay to attend the event. My goal is going to be to meet three to five people that I'm going to follow up with when I leave. And that's all well and good. And I've spent some money um, to attend, which is all fine. If I'm the speaker at that event, I have already been sort of sanctioned. And I just by walking to the front of the room and taking the microphone, I've already become some level of expert. The speaker doesn't usually have to pay to attend. <laughs> and everyone in the room at least knows who I am and has heard me a little bit and has gotten to know me just a little bit. And again, uh, whatever level of expertise depends on the organization and who has invited me, but I have a certain level of expert status just by taking the microphone. So it's a great way to really cover a lot of people. And then still one of the things that I do when I'm speaking, and not all speakers do this, it's kind of interesting. I always clear, really try to be clear for an hour afterwards and either stay in the front of the room or the back of the room or outside the building, depending what's happening, and then chat with people and answer questions and follow up and say, hey, yeah, let's have coffee. Let's have a drink sometime. Let's get together and really build those relationships. Yeah, no, that's brilliant. It's interesting because I work with a lot of coaches who are just starting out and they do exactly the same thing where they are so as a as a uh, i guess risk aversion strategy is they'll go okay let's get as you say the website done or let's get all of these things done rather than let's just get a couple of clients over the line to prove to you that you can do it um and then the other thing is is I, i've i've always found when i change my business strategy from 
rather going to networking events to start being the speaker in the room that was when because if you're lucky enough and uh, providing it's in t's and c's within gdpr rule and everything else you also may get the attendee list as well which means that you all of a sudden have a lot more potential of reaching out to these people um just out of curiosity when you speak to those people what strategies do you use to um re-engage with them from the event do you just use typical email marketing or do you do video messaging or what sort of strategy do you find works best for you so i don't usually i don't usually end up with the the a full contact list to really do an email blast type of thing occasionally i do and so I will occasionally do that. Um, I haven't done so much video messaging. I've done some emails. I try to do as much personal outreach as I can. I try to identify some number, you know, maybe the top 10 or 20% of the people and really go after personal outreach. Brilliant. Okay. So we are going to jump over to the second part of the show now, where I'm going to ask you a set of questions that I ask every single guest who comes on the show. So are you ready? Okay. So the first question is, on average, how much time do you dedicate to self-development? So I spend a lot of time on self-development. I include in self-development um, physical, mental, and emotional along with professional. So I take a holistic approach to that. I've mentioned that I'm a dancer in one of my lives. Um, and so partly because of that, um, I'm very focused on fitness and health as uh, how it affects not only my ability to pursue one of my greatest passions and one of my greatest escapes, which is dance, but also on how that affects my mental and emotional health. So I spend a lot of time um, staying physically fit and just dancing. And just a brief description of what dance means to me, I can take a 90-minute dance class and I can come out of those 90 minutes feeling the same as if I spent a week on vacation in Hawaii. The amount of joy and refresh and immersion that I get is amazing. So if you can find something like that in your life, I highly encourage. So I really encourage people to find some kind of a passion. And mine happens to be something that's physical and artistic. It can be painting, it can be hiking, it can be anything that doesn't involve your family or your career, then you really achieve that great escape. I like to work and play every single day. And so I spend about 15 to 20 hours a week on what I consider self-development because I include all of those things in it. That's amazing. So for you, it's, it's almost like a meditation as well. Yes, yes. And so I, my, the other thing that I really enjoy is water skiing. And it's interesting you, you bring up meditation because I've never formally done meditation, but in those two practices, water skiing, when you're going 40 miles an hour behind a boat, you better not be thinking about anything else. <laughs> No, no, especially just one slight movement the wrong way. You're, you're going in the drink, aren't you? 
And when you're dancing, it takes everything to remember the remember and learn the choreography and not run into anyone in the class or the garage right now. And so it's really a total immersion and a total escape that probably is has some similarities to meditation. I love that. I love that. Okay, question number two. What book has made the biggest impact to your self-development and personal growth? And it doesn't have to be a traditional self-development book. Yes. So um, I have two favorite books and these are a little bit more um, professionally focused, but not only. They're old books. Um, One of them is On Wings of Eagles by Ken Follett. And it's the story of Ross Perot rescuing his hostages from Iran in the 70s. And it is an amazing, it's a true story, but it reads like a typical Ken Follett novel, you know, kind of thriller spy novel. It's a great read. And it is the greatest um, learning experience for me. I've, I've read it more than once now on courage, teamwork. It's the best book I've ever read on teamwork. <clears throat> Excuse me. Teamwork, accomplishing your goals, um, being fearless, but having a plan and backup to get there, strategy. There are so many nuances to the story that I love. And it's it's an oddball one. I, I'm guessing no one has ever suggested that one to you. <laughs> no, no, but it's 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 interesting because it's a lot of these. It's a lot of these. It's why I changed the question from just personal development because. Um, I remember one of my books that taught me the most was a book called South about Shackleton. Oh, interesting. It was was about his leadership and how he got this small group of people from, well, from basically and kept them alive. And it was the, but the leadership lessons that he taught was just absolutely amazing. Um, But it was called, it was called South. It was an absolutely amazing book. And I think we all have these books that can, you know, Palio Coelho writes some amazing books and they're not traditional self-development books. They're like short stories, but, you know, they can change someone's lives just the same. Yes, right. And what was the second one? So the second one is a book called High Output Management by Andy Grove. It's an, it's an old management book. Now, of course, I grew up in Silicon Valley, so Intel and Andy Grove are um, sort of personal heroes of mine. And um, I never had the chance to meet Andy directly, but I met several of the people that um, knew him well. And uh, Andy Grove has a very interesting story. He left Hungary and my father happened to be very close friends um, with one of Andy's fellow Hungarians. And so I had the chance to know the story perhaps more intimately than some people. And this book is very um, simple. It has great examples. And my biggest learning from his book, two things, time is your only finite resource. Everything else on the face of the earth, you can get more of money, people, raw materials, resources, all of those things can be acquired. Time is the only thing you can never make more of. So you really need to look at time as your most precious resource. 
in every context of your life. So although it's a management book, I also think a lot about it in my personal life in terms of how I spend my time. I'm very mindful about how I spend my time. The other thing is that it's much harder and more risky to say no than to say yes. And as I work with my corporate consulting clients, and in fact, even with my Billable at the Beach people now, um, there's a huge fear among executives. They have difficulty being decisive. One of my strengths is being decisive. And it's because they're afraid that they're going to say no to the next iPhone. So there's more risk in saying no than yes. And what happens if you say yes to too many things, it goes, then it ties into time that your time and focus is so diluted that you never actually accomplish anything. Yeah, no, valuable lessons, valuable lessons. Okay, question number three, what, what app makes the biggest impact to your day? I Voxer. I love the Voxer app. What does that actually do? So it's um, it's kind of voice texting. So it's a it's a voice app that you can go back and forth, just like texting, um, only by voice. So you don't have to talk to your regular texting and then correct the typos or not correct the typos. You can just kind of chat back and forth to one people or a group. And it's a really great app. I love it in my personal life because um, I get to chat with my sister all the time, but we don't have to interrupt our day. You know, I don't need to talk to her real time, but we can chat when we have a chance. And then from a business context, sometimes you just, you just need to ask a quick question. So with my Billable at the Beach program people, they just need a quick question and it's kind of a burden to try and type it. So it's a, it's a really great um, time-saving app. I like that. Okay. Um, question number four, what's your biggest business mistake that turned into a valuable lesson and what did it teach you? Yes. So I'm going to give the lesson first and then, and then cover the mistake. So the lesson is never let a day go by without doing something in your business toward networking, marketing, and business development. Business development is an engine and you need to always keep your foot on the gas. There's something, I'm not a physics expert. Uh, my 17 year old daughter wants to be a mechanical engineer. And she's really good at physics, but I think there's a, a law of perpetual motion and something about once you set an object in motion, it stays in motion. So if you set that business development engine in motion and you give it a little gas every day, it makes all the difference in the world. And, and another way I like to think about it is I had a small project when I was in business school working with a glass factory. And it was such a strange thing. And I'd never thought about it before. But of course, when you work with glass, it has to be liquid and it's molten. And as soon as you let it cool, it hardens. So a glass production line they really can never shut it down because you can imagine if you stop it, all that liquid glass turns into glass and then what do you do? So of course they can shut it down, but it's a huge 
production and it really stops it cold for weeks to get all of that stuff cleaned up and re, you know redone. You can imagine that as the glass hardens. So I really like to think about that in terms of networking, marketing, and business development. It's kind of a dramatic visual that helps remind me that's what happens. If you take your foot off, excuse me, the gas, that's what happens. And it just takes a little push every day to keep it going. So in the early days, I did not do that. I would take on a project, and this is very common in consulting. I would take on a few projects and I would just be head down working. I loved it. It was so much fun. And I wouldn't do all that dreaded networking, marketing, business development. What happens is nine months down the road, your pipeline is dead. And what happens then to many consultants, it's very predictable. They panic, their pipeline is dead, and they go back to a corporate job, which is just what they were trying not to do. Yeah, I love that analogy. My um, grandfather's family were in glass. Oh, great. Um, and then my grandfather moved to confectionery, and sugar is exactly the same. Right, because it solidifies. Yeah, as soon as you cool mm. it down, it yeah. turns into... Well, so I used to love nicking the sweets from the when they were hot because you can you could squish them. Yeah, yeah. Great. ironically, that's a, that's funny that I use that analogy I know. from that world. <laughs> Question number five is: What are your challenges in harmonizing um, work and life, and how do you manage them? So I like that you use harmonize instead of balance. Yeah, I don't like balance. Yeah, I've given given that idea completely up because <laughs> it's the idea that you balance, you feel like you're going to get there and you never get there. So for me, I talked about earlier that work and play every day is really important to me. Having some fun and um, I'm not a big believer or fan of a bucket list because I think that puts off too many things. I'm a really big believer in really savoring um, the little pleasures that we have every day. And during the terrible period of time in our world's history, when um, we saw so much in the media about refugees crossing the ocean, um, and drowning and the terrible tragedies and so many people who really were just like you and I um, in mass numbers in refugee camps. I really thought one day I was standing at my kitchen sink with a big pile of dishes and I thought, ah, oh, and I'm trying to get my work done. And I thought, you know what? How many people in those refugee camps would give anything to stand in front of a sink of dirty dishes. That means that we started the day with food. We had food. We had a place to cook it. Uh, my family started the day with a hot meal. I'm able to clean the dishes. Our food was safe. So I started to just really look for those moments that I could appreciate those small pleasures. It's not that I don't want to take the trip around the world someday again when I can, that I'm not looking forward to all those things, but I really try to find those moments. And I'm not a big fan of New Year's goals, um, but one of the things that's on my list to really think about is I've called it 
finding resort time at home. So taking 30 minutes to sit outside and just read a novel, you know, once a week, is that going to slow down my work? No. Can I do that? Yes. It's a matter of discipline. So really trying to find that. And then I think there are seasons, right? I'm in a season of life while I still have small, small children that really require a lot, right? We're distance learning right now. And I have a seven-year-old and there's only so much he can do on his own. And this isn't going to last forever, but I have to acknowledge that that's what it is and, and decide whether or not I'm going to make the time to do that and how I'm going to handle it. Um, so just kind of looking at all of those things, work and play every day, savoring the small things and thinking about the seasons of our lives. Yeah, I love that because I think, I think if, if we can look at any good things that have come out of 2020, I think it's possibly the only time, hopefully we'll ever experience where life literally went to pause. You know, the, the fact is, is that parents, you know, whether it's mum or dad working their backsides off to try and just get the jobs done at work and coming home and then they don't, they're perhaps not fully engaged with their young ones because they're consumed with what's going on at work or people who are working and and so focused on achieving a goal, they don't stop for a second and go, hang on, am I moving in the right direction? the correct direction, should I say, 2020 forced us to go, life is stopping to a certain extent because we can't go to shops, everything else is on hold. And I think it gave us a uh, an interesting opportunity because I love what you're, you're talking about. And I do the same. I focus on the little things because when things are, no matter how challenging life can be, if we can look at the little things and be grateful for those little things, the big things become even more special to us. And it's it's been it's been a really interesting thing. And again, we don't like the I don't like the work life balance. But hopefully, if anything, this whole stuff that's gone on allows us to get to almost create a a, a, a I think they call it a fire break over here um, of just going. Actually, am am I doing everything I'm doing, or could I do it better? Yes. And are there things that? I want to do less of and things that I want to do more of. Okay, question number six. What advice would you give an entrepreneur that you wish you had known starting out? I want to tell everyone that you already have everything you need. Wherever you are in your journey, you already have what it takes and what you need. And you need to just take the plunge. Mm. however big that plunge might be it's a little bit like when we're kids the first time we go off the high dive there's a certain point where you just have to hold your nose and close your eyes and take the plunge yeah love it i like i like the saying uh jump off the cliff and build your wings on the way down yes <laughs> it's kind of like sometimes especially if you're jumping off a high board that's the only option right. you've got really hopefully <laughs> there's a pool underneath <laughs> but it is, this is true yes exactly okay question number seven is what is your personal definition of success so really at the end of the day jeff it's being a good person and 
raising good people. You know, I think that's important perhaps more than ever today. You and I had a brief conversation before we started recording about, you know, I really wanted to thank you for using your your voice and platform to remind people to please be safe. Um, think about others. Uh, then I translate that into my business. I really want to serve my audience with good programs and content that really expire. Expire. <laughs> Sorry. Expires. Expire. Ins- <laughs> inspire. <laughs> Freudian slip there, inspire them and equip them and empower them to live the life they deserve, however they define that and what they, what they, you know, want that to be, um, to empower others to do better. My long-term career goal now really I would love to be a, philanth- a professional philanthropist, right? I would love to have enough and make enough money that I can really use it to help other people and empower. And I believe that we have to help ourselves before we help others. You know, it's not a, a completely selfless, but if you can really meet all of your own needs and then start to help others. And again, I'd like to do that by really empowering people to recognize and equip them with the tools to live the life they want to live. And for people who really love and are fulfilled in their corporate jobs, I think that's amazing. Consulting is not the only route. I loved my corporate years. But for the people who are looking for something a little bit different and if consulting might be that thing, I really want to equip them to get wherever it is they want to go. I love that. I love that. Okay, question number eight. We've kind of like already gone through with some of your routines, but the what I'd like to ask instead is, you know, we've obviously talked about the COVID stuff, and we're in twenty twenty one. We're we're about to start this new year. Um, what for you were the lessons that you've learned, and how are you going to implement them into twenty twenty one? I think the lessons that I've learned are really more of a focus and continuation of the things that I already have taken. I believe that it's really important to um, prioritize and be mindful about how you spend your time. For me, although it's put life on pause, for me, I've been a little bit shocked by how much busier I find myself during COVID than I was before. And I think it's the layering for me, specifically the layering of distance learning on top. So I've had to become even more mindful about that precious resource of my time and what I want to do and not do and how I prioritize that and even why. So to dig a layer deeper, which I think is some of the things that you're talking about, to dig a little deeper and kind of challenge myself on what is important, what isn't important, how do I want to spend that time? And then I think another big lesson has been to give myself and everyone else grace. I think when we're under this level of stress, it can bring out the worst in all of us, not the best in all of us. So I haven't always been at my best, so I want to give myself grace and give other people grace too, 
about kind of the mistakes that we've been making and the bad behavior. And I've had a lot of conversations with my teenage daughter and how some of her peers and friends are behaving and saying, you know, first, I think that we need to step back and say, okay, what are their circumstances? You know, some people are, have lost their jobs. Many people have lost loved ones and family members and um, just really making sure that we prioritize our time and then give grace to other people and ourselves and ourselves. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. So we're at the end of the show now. This is a, an opportunity for you to take the floor and to share with us how we can find out more about you or if there's anything about a product or, or service that you have that you'd like the audience to know and um, please take it away. Sure. So first of all, I'd like to invite all of you out there um, to just come to me and find me if you think you might be interested in trying to start consulting. I have a lot of easy ways to get started. I have a lot of tips and tricks and tools. And I really, one of my superpowers is helping you get started and clearing roadblocks. So I have a free email course that I've already spoken about some of my concepts earlier, but I call it three action steps to generate revenue now. It's a quick and reliable way to get started. <clears throat> Excuse me, if you think you're interested, even you don't really have to decide, okay, this is what I'm going to do. It's my next career path. If you are a little bit between things right now because you're furloughed or you do find yourself with some time, you can just stick a toe in the water. So this free email course is called Three Action Steps to Generate Revenue Now. My business is called Billable at the Beach. And if you go to my website, this course will kind of jump right out at you. And I would love to have you jump into it and give it a try and think about the concepts. I then have other materials and things to help support you. I invite you to reach out to me personally and um, see if this might be a great path for you. Brilliant. Um, Amy, thank you so much for jumping on board with me. I'm so grateful for you taking the time. And obviously from San Diego there, I can imagine the weather's getting really nice. Um, so I um, just want to say thanks very much and wishing you the greatest success. Thank you very much for having me. And I wish the same to you and everybody out there. Take care. So first of all, just let me say a massive thank you for joining me today. It's lovely to know that you're out there listening and it's great to have the emails that I get from you with suggestions about the show and what you think about the show. That's really nice. Really does help me make the show even better. If you'd like to find out more about me and the types of services I offer or my social media links, then please visit www.jeffnicholson.uk. You can also join us on the Facebook page. Just search for Success IQ Podcast. And that's a new page that we've put up that I'm trying to grow and develop. So you can tune in and find us on other stations such as Stitcher, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, and of course, iTunes. And if you have the time, it would be great if you could pop over there, leave a rating, leave a review, because it really does help me grow the show and make the impact that I'm really looking for. So just to say, I hope you have a fantastic week. I wish you the greatest success and I look forward to speaking to you next week. Take care.